Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is the Bad Batch Report. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> 
I, I fully think that you are on top of the electronic dance music scene. I think uh, record groans and grunts are going to be mixed into every popular song on the dance floor very soon. Thank you for seeing me, sir. Thank, <laughs> thank you for recognizing my inner wrecker. <laughs> yeah, people have, have made the joke sometimes of dance music being utza, utza, utza. And now I think yeah. it's just going to be, ah, ah, ah. Hey, great. <laughs> Oh, he's great. Uh, I definitely, uh, I want, uh, you know, you used to have a lot of the uh, the vocal driving instructions on your car in different mm. fun voices. I think records ain't, you should have turned five minutes ago. would be great. <laughs> it's, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's been a rewarding. Wrecker and Tech are, are now my favorite comedy duo. We'll dive in a little bit later. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But when there's another spinoff, Please, please. I, I hope that it is just uh, them in in some uh, weird dive uh, doing a comedy act. Be great. Uh, but we're going to get into this episode that's got some great comedy in it uh, and <laughs> some things that are not comedy at all uh, called death. Anyway, let's get into episode four of Bad Batch Cornered. It is written by Christian Taylor, directed by Saul Ruiz. It is about a 25-ish minute episode. It just flies, I think. Ken, what was your overall reaction to this episode? you love it, like it, struggle with it? Uh, did you groan like Wrecker? What happened to you? No, I really love this. In terms of music, I'm calling this a little rock radio single. Short to the point. A lot of passion, a lot of guitars, wailing, and a great middle eight, which is echoing the droids to me. I uh, love this little song. Well, this is a very musical episode of the Bad Batch yeah. Report. Yeah, I really like this episode. Um, I, I think it was great to see an episode that definitely had um, ideas, definitely had a heart, definitely advanced the story, uh, but also really kind of focused on action in a specific way. Um we talked last week about how, yeah, there there definitely uh, was action, but it was pretty much only uh, the uh, horrific action <laughs> mm-hmm. of the uh, the violence uh, from the the proto stormtroopers and uh, crosshair. But with this, uh, it felt like everything about the episode, and in particular the action, really uh, instead of just telling, also really did a great job showing the desperation of Bad Bat situation and the sort of uh, the danger of the galaxy by kind of heightening the violence and the action, you know? And and like we've been saying every episode, it's not just like, okay, now it's gritty Star Wars. All of that is is contrasted against uh, the humor of the team and the hope of the team and the the proactive energy and uh, particularly uh, Omega's desire to have family and to see the galaxy. And there's all these great moments of hope uh, but the overall episode really, really uh, leans into the the danger and the death. Hope clashing against reality sometimes, maybe. Oh maybe. yeah, I feel like that was Omega's journey for sure. Of yeah. uh, of hope, <laughs> hope meets reality, and hope survived. It seems like. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's key. No, that's key. I don't want to sound like. A, a, get ready kid the world's gonna break it no i mean you know that's part of perseverance and overcoming that stuff is, is valuable and omega's representing that yeah absolutely big big star wars ideas i think uh were really boiled down in omega's uh, journey in this uh in this uh, rock tune of an episode as you described it um i also just felt like we'll talk about fennec shand in detail of course yeah. but just for a big picture reaction i think fennec shand being good and brutal uh being able to really take it to uh the bad batch um Mm -hmm. kind of made not just her 
but the concept of bounty hunters legitimately terrifying again. Like we as fans, I think, are kind of so used to them and we're used to seeing them fight bounty hunters fight each other or go up against Jedi or whatever. And to kind of see them through the eyes of Omega and Mm -hmm. see her take it to these absolute, you know, pro bruisers of the Bad Mm -hmm. Batch just made them made bounty hunters as a concept scary again. Yeah, I, I put the note of just simply great use of Fennec Shan. What you're saying really works for me. This is, and I, I think they stand individually, and I'm not, this isn't a rank, this isn't a, a battle. Um, I think I, uh, Cad Bane's actual debut on broadcast television, which is the, the hostage, hostage uh, crisis situation where he and his team are real deadly and and real real intense. And, th- and this one for Fennec Shan, yes, we know Fennec Shan. Um, we, we were probably all excited for this moment, Ming-Na Wen getting to, to voice his character, but just in terms of just the story, yeah, you're exactly right. I, I, there was, there's down and dirty death, and not only is she dangerous, but 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 the ability to go soft and the ability to manip- manipulate Omega uh, is it makes her equally as powerful. This is this is a full three three sixty degree threat. Right, yeah, you get the sense that she is uh, deadly in a fight or just a discussion. <laughs> that yeah. she, she'll get you either way, uh, it, and that yeah it makes her just truly deadly. And that conversation at the end really drove it home. Like mm-hmm. because while I was watching the the episode, like oh wow, Fennec Shan really is a cool, great badass, uh, <laughs> great uh, manipulator and ass kicker. Uh, but then having the uh, clones, uh, the Bad Batch, explain to Omega of what a bounty hunter is, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it really drove it home. Um, I think the, another thing for me is it was great to see a, a really urban environment uh, since we have been mostly in remote areas or Camino. So it was fun to see uh, yeah. a, an urban environment uh, realized, a city environment uh, realized in, in the Bad Batch. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the other big picture thing for me is I was really struck by this episode uh, we'll see if the show changes up at all. But right now, it's very serialized, uh, you know, much closer to kind of the shape and flow of The Mandalorian than any of the animated shows have been. There's certainly been, you know, cliffhangers or arcs or continuing stories. But this is feels very, very serialized uh, in, in a way like, yeah, like, like they haven't been yet. So I'm curious to see if that continues, if they're just kind of... Um, rolling from one desperate need to the next or if the bad batch kind of uh, settles into a, a home base or a specific mission or if they're going to be uh, continue to be very reactive yeah and, and we've we've discussed kind of maybe wanting that in a way but i love what's going on i i, I put the note of this series is really taking its time the serialized nature of it like we've been discussion discussing but like this episode specifically was just like, no, 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 we're going to get there. We're going to get there with what you, we need you to know. And we're going to, uh, this is going to be, this is part of a, a bigger picture and you can really feel it. We would discuss it week to week, but this is one real, I, I described it as a rock radio single. This just might be the first chorus of a bigger song. Yeah, I know. And, and I feel like maybe the song is, uh, is titled, uh, what fire do we have to put out now? <laughs> Cause that's really that vibe, you know? And, and there's a line at, at the end about what, uh, what their intentions were from Hunter about finding out, uh, who Fennec Shand is and who hired her. And I'd be really curious to see how directly that's followed up. If that's the next episode or six episodes from now. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's, uh, let's dive in then to the, the big themes and what ideas are at stake in the episode. Uh, what did you, uh, what were you affected by? What did you feel like were the big ideas? 
yeah, this is the big one. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of big ones. In fact, in fact, one of the ones I just not uh, j- jotted down at the end, uh, you and I have already touched upon, which is Omega and this search for discovery and, and also learning the truth. And, and how much do you want to protect Omega? And how much should she know what the world is and, and to avoid some 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 of these stuff down the line? And, and it's a bigger question of parenting, which is part of what's going on in this episode. So we, we can come to that in a second there. I I I, I put down how you how will you survive on your own? This cornered idea They're 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 kind of uh, they're on the run. They're just kind of emotionally cornered by what's going on in the galaxy. Hunter saying things are changing quicker than I thought. So they're cornered in a changing galaxy, which connects to this kind of theme of friendship connections who do you trust tech at one point says hey we're on our own with supplies which is true so they that means they have each other and a great exchange with omega and fennec i got separated from my friends well the galaxy is a dangerous place to be on your own i'm not alone i have my friends aren't you lucky love that exchange that was the big theme for me uh some sub sub themes down the line to discuss too but yeah no i think i think you're right i think you're pulling out the 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 key idea that is in that cornered title right that they are cornered in terms of uh their actual practical needs uh but also feeling cornered kind of emotionally um and i love that line from i believe it was tech who was like yeah without the republic we were going to have to get all those things that we would just get a resupply for um and this is a very weird pull a very weird connection in my mind but um uh, very uh, young in my life, I read uh, Sammy Davis Jr.'s uh, second autobiography, Why Me? And there's this great passage in it <laughs> where Sammy Davis Jr. is talking about how he is this utter consummate uh, entertainment professional. He can uh, sing, he can dance, he can do impressions, he, he can do uh, pistol tricks from Westerns. Like he can, he's a drummer, he can do it all. Uh, but if you take him out of that environment, he doesn't know how to make toast. <laughs> right. And he they, like he's and he talks about discovering that as a parent and his child coming to him for advice about like, you know, buying a car and just kind of and having a birthday party. And he was like, would you like to know how to do a show stopping version of Birth of the Blues? Because <laughs> that's what I know. And that just popped in my mind of like, what a cool picture of the bad batch, you know, so great, so competent at missions. <laughs> because everything else has been taken care of for them. Yeah. That's I, it, when I was about 12 or 13, we had some friends of the family over and the, and the, and the dad was like, literally like a rocket scientist type, including the crazy hair that just does. <laughs> and, and they were making lunch and, and he turned to his wife and my mom said something about what do you want in your sandwich? And he turned to his wife and goes, what do I want in my sandwich? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and that's uh, there, uh, none, also reminds me of tech now a little bit though. Tech, tech would, tech would be a sandwich is best made with meat, lettuce. And, yeah. He'd look anyway. it up on his little wrist device uh, yeah, on his Wikipedia on his wrist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think that really framed the characters and gave them this kind of humanity uh, and really framed, like, not only, like, it's not just, oh, we're, we're figuring out how to be uh, parents or how to be this new kind of unit, yeah. but just like, yeah, we, we never had to do these things for ourselves. And, and we can and we will and we'll figure it out. But this is new to us. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the big ideas for me is just kind of what has value. Um Yes, this uh, obviously, as you're saying, they're adjusting to this new world, new rules. But also that means kind of everything has a different uh, price tag to it, uh, literally and just sort of culturally in in every sense. Right. Uh, Like you said, that great underline things are changing quicker than I thought. Um, But there's so much in this episode that is about bartering and negotiating and people being in disagreement of what has value now. Um, We get 
Vice Admiral Rampart again droning on about Imperial credits, reminding you that like the basic, uh, you know, money of this galaxy, uh, the basic currency has changed. Uh, but then we get them paying off uh, the the docking bay Soliston, uh, Raspar Six. Uh, we get them literally selling Echo, uh, you know, Fennec uh, mm-hmm. Shan stealing fruit for Omega and being like, "That's how you go." Uh, that focus uh, where I think this theme really came into into view is you know that that pyrodenton mine mm-hmm. being super valuable to them because. They are missions. They are combat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Wrecker even highlighting that's our last explosive. And explosive to them is worth everything, right? Uh, but then the grand going, eh, no, not really. It doesn't have value right now in this economy. And then that that kind of being the key thing that Hunter has up his sleeve to to rescue Omega, uh, you know, to me really created this connection between all of the financial bartering that's going on and then what's actually at stake. What actually has value is Omega, right? Uh, as a bounty and, and to the clones, to the Bad Batch, as a person. Uh, so it, to me, that, that connection between the pyrodenton mines, financial value, and using it to rescue Omega made this whole question of what has value really focus on that's the, the decision that the Bad Batch is going to be making of like uh, just staying alive and taking care of one another. That's... That's the mission. That's what has value because there's death and violence and terror everywhere. Man, w- well done on, on this one, uh, my friend. Yeah, I, I was drawn to this one in in this real hyper-focused way of, of listening to Rampart's speech up top, which we've heard before, right? But something jumps out to me in this one of just it literally says, your your credits have no value now, which is their way of saying, you, you have no value, but with us, you've got value. We're the empire. Come on, exchange yourself for <laughs> what we got going over here. And that jumped out to me. And then uh, you're you're so right. Literally, there's a great sequence with the the uh, the bribe and and uh, now now we we got we got Bobby Moynihan shows up a little bit later, and then Taryn Killam. We got the SNL Star Wars nerds from about five years ago all <laughs> over this episode, waiting for Mikey Day to show up too. Um, but but I really I love the idea of knowing your own value too. Of Echo, I am worth more than two thousand credits. It's a great <laughs> joke. It's a great bit. Um, but what to me, and, and we, we both know and, and others have discussed too, of just like, hey, we're waiting for a big, big, ec- maybe Echo episode or there's more with Echo coming. We know. But I love in this one. He knows his value. Um, he he goes forth with uh, with this little mission and then ends up leading the droids in a mission that's more about their true worth and purpose than just sitting in the storage shed or the supply closet of this trader. So that all the value is all the way through it. You're absolutely right, including the value of fruit or toys for uh, you know uh, war packs to play. <laughs> yeah, no, you're saying a lot of great stuff. I, yeah, I really like that. Echo gave some value to the uh, to the droids. Uh, yeah, and I love what you're saying about Vice Admiral Rampart's uh, droning about the Imperial credits in the background of it was great to be like, oh, this isn't just Seleucamide. This is happening everywhere. That was just like a great practical uh, revelation. But yeah, connecting it to the the change in currency is about the individuals, right? Mm-hmm. The um, We know that it's partially just like, yeah, in order to use the Imperial credits, you need the chain code and that's, uh, you know, a measure of control and all that. But that idea at the end of his speech where he always says, out of the generosity of the empire, (laughs) Mm -hmm. without acknowledging, like, we're saying it's generous to give you your value, which we just took from you. Yeah. Is such a (laughs) great knife twist. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Tragic. Yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, I'm not laughing at the plight of the new <laughs> citizens of the Republic. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, what other, I, I have one other kind of big idea from this, uh, episode that, that we were kind of touching on, but I'm curious what else, uh, you might have up your sleeve. Up my sleeve. Not, uh, n- not much. Well, all, <laughs> all big, um, um, for a little, little tiny episode, a lot in there and a lot to, and uh, going to the what I talked about the discovery and the truth and just um, on a practical level it's like you know I love we're gonna uh, some of the moments with Omega in this episode are some of my favorite because they're so just tiny quiet and sweet and just full of whimsy and wonder and 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 then she just you know charges out in the world not even her fault and and uh, one of the Ken goes to Game of Thrones uh, themes here uh, late in the show's run there were several times where the great Ned Stark who was great um, his own children, looking back, questioned how much he protected them from what reality was. Mm-hmm. Uh, all intentions were good and how much that cost them and how much that hurt them. And I, I see the end of this episode. We've already seen Omega, you're part of the team. Omega, you got a little cubby to, to sleep in your own little room. At the end of this one, it's just kind of like, hey, hey, there's some stuff out here. We're gonna, we can't just let you float around. <laughs> And, and, and that, and, and look, I, I'm not a parent. I know, I know you're not either, Joseph. Um, um, we missed having Jennifer around about this, but it's like, what, what point do you kind of say, don't go down that corridor? <laughs> at what point do you try to protect? At what point do you try to prepare? And, I, and that jumped out me, uh, at me a lot through this episode because poor Omega, she just wants to sightsee. Yeah, no, and it feels a little bit more like the parenting on this one is probably going to be before you go down that corridor because we know we can't stop you. You should know yeah. there are monsters there. <laughs> Yeah, go yeah, going back to the Sioux stuff, right? From uh, Saluka. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that you can't stop them from uh, finding trouble, but you just have to help them through it. Yeah, that that felt like uh, the Sioux lessons were actively being used by Hunter. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think for me, the other big idea that you were kind of touching on is, uh, I guess, it is another way to talk about personal value. But I thought that there was just a lot in this idea about identity, about exactly. Uh, who are people? There was a lot of discussion about um, changing or obscuring or faking uh, identities, which I think is really valuable because it ties into this era of the empire and the need to kind of be on the run where everyone has just kind of a little bit of a feeling of doubt and and paranoia. Um, you know, the the uh, the reason that they're setting down on Pantora is because uh, they need to change the ship's uh, code, right? So there's already even just that's what's making the plot move of is kind of hiding the identity of their ship, of the Havoc Marauder. Um, and then there's this idea that the Bad Batch have to try to be civilians. Like they usually, they actually use that term of like, we have to try to be civilians. Then you got Echo pretending to be a droid. Uh, you have Omega trying to be a regular kid, uh, you know, playing with toys, seeing the sights, but then she's right back to being a clone uh you know and and a part of this unit that is going to attract danger um you got fennec shan pretending to be a friend uh and then you have the question of well who is fennec shan really and who is she working with and uh all of this brings up the well who exactly is omega why is she so valuable and and how many different people know about her and and all those kind of things um, you got CG 67, the astromech droid that, that you were talking about, um, really needing to be defined by her leadership role. <laughs> so there's another idea of identity. And, and then the other big one for me, which I really liked, which was really affecting is the scene where the Pantorans were cheering for that march of very stormtrooper like clone troopers. So we got to see these Pantorans uh, cheering for their future 
oppressors. <laughs> yes. And that great line uh, exchange of Omega saying, but the war is over. Isn't that good? And Echo saying, depends which side you're on, uh, mm. which got all of these individual ideas of identity that all of our characters were kind of uh, cycling through and tying it to this era where the Empire is telling you it's one thing, but its actions are showing you that it is another. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down to the dock worker, uh, bribing, but still taking bigger. Bri- yeah, it's all the way through. I, I, lo- I love that you pointed out it. It really it starts with the ship. <laughs> yeah, everything is either trying to discover or obscure what they are in order to get by. Yeah, yeah, and make make ends meet. Yeah. Uh, any other uh, specific themes, or do you want to go on to how the show, this episode, reflects a larger storytelling and perspective of Star Wars? Oh uh, yeah, let's let's go there. Curious to hear what you uh, what you got, uh, how you're connecting bribes to Star Wars. <laughs> uh, I think for me, I was really affected. We've talked a little bit about uh, Omega's journey, but I felt like in this episode, it was almost like this episode felt like an adaptation of some of Lucas talking about Star Wars. <laughs> oh. Yeah. talking about how it is about uh, coming of age you know it's about people taking their first steps and i like that it was such a mix of of joy and horror that uh omega wanted to explore right um and then we get to see some of the fun bright versions of that she uh sees toys she sees uh, cute animals and then uh very quickly she is walking into literal darkness with a stranger (laughs) and then the horror comes you know uh and then we see her be able to handle that uh she's observant and resourceful she definitely needs uh the clones help the bad batches help but she is you know seeing the blaster seeing the lever on the truck uh pulling it um so she goes through this whole arc that is about sort of Let's explore the world. Oh, wow. The world can be frightening and dangerous. I am gathering the skills I need to cope with the reality of the world, just like you were talking about with the, with the Starks. She went on a whole Stark children, <laughs> a multiple season journey in this one episode. And I think for me, it was just that larger idea of, you know, classic Star Wars when Luke is, is staring at the twin sunsets, when Anakin mm-hmm. is staring up at all of the stars and wants to visit them all, that they're both starting from that place of adventure. What fun and excitement is out there? And like a ton of fun of, and excitement is out there and also some horror. And you need yeah. to be uh, you, growing up means figuring out how to enjoy the joy, but also cope with the horror. And I felt like that was just absolutely compressed into Omega's journey in this one episode. Yeah, light and dark, right? Life and death, darkness, light, all of it. Um, that the, not not in terms of just spiritual balance, but just everything that's out there, and and how some of the things we've already talked about, including knowing your value or knowing the value of things and discovering your identity, the identity of those around you, all kind of flows really nicely. What you're what you're saying here, truly a lesson for stepping out into the bigger world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And finding out who you are and maybe <laughs> to be careful about strangers. I guess with all of her training on Camino, uh, Omega did not get like this absolute basic from a human earth <laughs> lessons of yep. don't yep. trust strangers. Don't take food from strangers. I'm like, this is almost an 80s uh, after school special about what not to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lifetime original movie, The Bad Batch. <laughs> Food from a Bounty Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. very special show. Uh, so that was one of the big ones for me that really felt connected to the larger Star Wars perspective. That adventure is great, but it can also be scary. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. And and I always, uh, for me, I'm focusing on uh, sometimes like that bigger picture and that larger story. And we're in this beginning of, of uh, the reign of the Empire, and we know where that goes and we know where that ends. And we talked a lot about even connecting to some of the Rise of Skywalker stuff if we're not alone and just... That moment for me when when Omega's just like, no, I've got friends. There's a friend, uh, and how you you need to have those connections. You need to have those friendships, and you, and faith in them is what's going to get you through. And them having faith in you. There's a lot of Omega handling stuff herself here, or being told go up there and run. And uh, she joins the fight as soon as she kind of learns a little bit more about Fennec Shan on the fly, and how that kind of flows nicely to me into what we're going to be. Uh, building towards 19 years or so from the story in Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. Um, I think the only other thing for me is just driving home even more of what they've been building about the horror of the Imperial reign. And I think this one, uh, the the cut and run episode is very much about limiting uh, movement. And mm-hmm. this one was really about like that greed and that that difficulty just getting your basic needs met it was really the focus of, of this episode, painting the picture of the terror of the Imperial reign. And this episode felt a lot like it was building towards the, yeah, this is the world that, you know, Han and Kira grow up in and everybody in solo. And this is very, very felt very solo. Like of, uh, it's really hard to get anything done with the way the empire is clamping down on, on anything that will give you mobility or freedom. Yeah. Empire's giving you value, man. <laughs> exactly like this yeah and this it it was you know an urban environment and uh, a lot of people just really concerned about uh making ends meet financially yeah and that big uh yeah. star wars theme of, of greed uh maybe sneaking in a little bit around the edges oh very much uh anything else for you and in, in terms of how it reflected the larger story of star wars well, one thing I reflected uh, in, in the larger story of Star Wars, Joseph, is one of our favorite things. There's a lot of uh, crusty, grizzled weirdos just running ports, <laughs> trading goods all through the galaxy. There really, really were. Uh, there was a, a very trusting human who left his uh, speeder running. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, the beauty of the show. Everyone talks about how beautiful the show is. It's 4K magic, right? That the the ability to really just kind of put detail in a moment. That guy's look when it's, it's, it's a great double take. It's a I, I, you know, I forgot to even listen in comedy, but he's just like, Hey, it was a very great. moment. <laughs> it's so great. There was something about that vibe. I've watched this episode twice. And there's just something about it. Like he was just picking up like, uh, whatever version of Pantora ale, Pantoran mm-hmm. ale. And then he was going to have a, a fun night at home. He's just, I just got to pick this up and then I can go. He thought that was going to be such a quick stop and he was so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> absolute horror all right uh unless there are any other big ideas we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to discuss all our favorite details in episode four of the bad batch a 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 
And we are back to finish our discussion of Cornered Bad Batch, Episode 4, Season 1. We're going to dive into all those details we enjoyed. Ken, did you have some favorite action moments in this episode that was really packed with action in the second half? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I was looking at how to phrase it. I, I put this as... Um Overall, there's a lot going on, but there was a one specific moment. Uh, I, I call it knife throwing Hunter versus head butting Fennec, <laughs> and I really did enjoy that. Um, even the way, got not to make another game of Thrones reference, but he's got that knife behind him like brawn, and uh, just right of action, flings it, and and uh, you know, and it's very realistic. I mean, this is uh, you know, Star Wars, pew pew pew, yay fun. But like, you know, I would expect him to be maybe he's a little bigger and stronger in a way, just on, on a pure strength level. And and she felt that, and that she's so re- resourceful, even with Wrecker. Um, I, I like that moment too. But it's like you see her analyzing the situation and analyzing how to win, and that makes it all very effective for me. Yeah, yeah. I I wrote down both a uh, Hunter and Fennec knife play. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, because all of it was really good. I like the way that they both seem to totally recognize one another and be sizing each other up while Omega's uh, slowly catching up and, you know, seeing the blaster and realizing. I mean, she already yeah. noticed the blaster, but realizing, oh, no, this person does not mean me uh, is not yeah. a good uh, friend. Uh, they're not going to be a, <laughs> a new fun companion on the journey, at least not right now. Uh, but yeah, then everything about it was good because it, that, that fight, because it was it was fast and it cool. It was cool, but it really did have that uh, strategic element. Like they kind of knew the moves that one another was going to make, like how ready Fennec mm-hmm. was for uh, throwing the knife. And then, yeah. you know, all of her uh, using it against him was great. And then the headbutt, the headbutt was awesome. I mm. loved uh, both the headbutt and, and then we'll talk about the, the wrecker moment, too, because it really did elevate fennec shan to be like wow you you really do need to watch out from her for her like she's Mm -hmm. definitely portrayed as a uh, a badass in her first appearance in season one of mandalorian but also from the needs of that particular plot you know she also gets shot by you know one of the biggest uh losers ever to grace star wars (laughs) toro calican and i don't even mean that i know some people don't like the character i enjoy the character i think he's meant to be a big loser uh, just for for my own clarity, if if there's any Toro Calican fans out there, <laughs> I'm a fan of what a loser he is. But anyway, you know, you know what I mean. Like she gets some yeah. cool moments, and she's definitely a better fighter than him. But still, like by the mechanism of the plot, she needs to fall. Um, yeah. In this, when you you got the Bad Batch and you got to humanize them, they it's fun that they are like, yep, against droids, we are unstoppable. We are as good as an yeah. entire army. Uh, but against somebody like Fennec one-on-one when she's being strategic, uh, yeah, they, they're going to fall. And there was something about, uh, I don't always need realism in Star Wars, but there mm-hmm. was something refreshing about like, yeah, I mean, getting hit in the head with, <laughs> uh, you know, a metal helmet might knock you all the way out like it did Hunter. And that, that was kind of yeah. refreshing. There was two, uh, to jump ahead a little bit, yeah, but to connect to your moment, I really love Fennec explodes falls leaps hits the ground and has a limp i was like thank you oh yeah that that vicious landing on the taxi sign right uh yeah, uh, yeah and is limping she, she managed to get rid of it pretty quick i'm sure she's got yeah. some bacta with her but but yeah no that's that was nice yeah so i mean but it ties, yeah ties nicely into hunter just gonna be like well whoa <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's well trained <laughs> yeah and i think i think all of those things uh are great because it just it heightens that yep this is a thrilling adventure and the action is is fun and thrilling conflict uh to watch but it just kind of deepens that feeling of 
oh, wow, th- this is not a fun lark uh, mm-hmm. that o- Omega isn't getting to see, like, fun, thrilling adventure. It is deadly. And the fact that Fennec can actually take it to him is what makes it feel actually deadly. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, there, it's, it's um, you need to, you know, tell tell the story in the action, right? What do we learn about the characters? And we learn a lot. I learn a lot about Wrecker, who's got a bit of overconfidence because he should. He's been just <laughs> slugging his way through the galaxy for a long time. And that's why the little the ability with the, the animation where it is right now, just that little eye glance, that little look from Fennec, which was so real. It's almost live action to me of like, how do I defeat this monster? I got it. And that that's how all that really works for me. It tells truly tells the story. Yeah, yeah. I loved the Smashing Wrecker into a pipe because it was a moment of true surprise. I thought that was going to be a big, drawn-out brawl, right? Yeah. Uh, and that quick look to the side. And the fact that she uses all of his weight and momentum against him is just, yeah, it's great uh, visual uh, storytelling in the action that what makes Wrecker uh, really great and really powerful can also be used against him, uh, that she uses his momentum to smash his head into a pipe. <laughs> it's like Wrecker's head, is, he's really can't be doing well. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he's got headaches last week, that scar. He's, 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 he takes a lot of punches. Yeah, his head. His head is the focus of all action. Uh, any other uh, action moments for you? Uh there's some some that might be tied into comedy, but I do love Omega. We mentioned it, but like get, springing into action as best she can to pull down Fennec's blaster when when the fight starts initially, and then later on making the decision to lift the trash truck um, ties into a fun comedy moment. But mm-hmm. you know, and this is we, we talked about even last week. She is part of this squad, part of this team, and even though she's learning, even though she's uh, maybe younger and and not a street fighter like the rest of them. She, she knows what to do. And, you know, who knows where some of the skills are coming from? Big mystery, maybe. I don't know. But I think they're hers, and I think it's who she is. And I love seeing uh, her spring into action when she needs to. Yeah, no, that was great. Uh, great to see her pull that lever uh, and, yeah, be resourceful. Uh, I loved everything about the the chase uh, between Hunter and Fennec, and, and you know, it felt uh, like very, very deadly. And it, it felt... Every once in a while in, in the Clone Wars, and, and you know I love the Clone Wars, it, it can be like, uh, people are shooting at each other. And this really had that constant sense of tactics and that, like, Hunter and both Hunter and Fennec, like, veering out of the way of things that, like, oh, no, that, that person's got the drop on me and they're not going to miss, so I have to get out of the way, you know? Uh, There's a lot that made the chase, you know, it really did uh, have those heightened stakes. Um Another favorite moment from the chase, which is a weird fun favorite moment to have, but uh, Fennec just uh, grabbing that uh, driver from that uh, airspeeder and uh, just throwing him in the horrible scream. Yeah, uh, she Fennec's kill count is not only high, but like one of those like when the, the, the Pentorian Pentorian officer she hits, it's like it's just like whoa, man, that's just yep. those, they're just out there trying to do their job, and Fennec don't care. Yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, I think we'll. You know, I think Fennec will continue to to develop as a character, and I think we'll have lots of questions about like, okay, but she's got a code, like, uh huh. And part of that is <laughs> throw a guy from a car, uh, shoot Pantor and security uh, straight through the heart. Um, I think it is partially for me, just honestly, a a continued appreciation. We've talked about it uh, before that there's so much about this show that is really just uh, picking up where Clone Wars left off, including not being shy about the real stakes of, of the violence. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, weird, weird favorite action moment. Uh, but I enjoyed the uh, horrific brutality and the horrible scream. 
<laughs> and the honesty of it all. Uh, all right, let's move on then uh, to maybe something more fun than throwing mm-hmm. people from their cars. Uh, to <laughs> you know, you're like this is a great hopeful episode, and that death happened, and we loved it. It was great, but it is that is what makes it work, yeah. right? That is what you, you need that contrast. Totally. Uh, all right. So, Ken, favorite moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness, grizzled weirdos. I um, love, so I, we always say, whimsy to me is just this wonder and so many things and and really love the uh, Omega Pentara it is moment. Just her just <laughs> so wanting to sightsee and see the world and 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 why, and she, and I love she actually just says like, I've been on Camino, like, come on. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> that was really nice to just make that crystal clear in case anybody's yeah. wondering, like, no, I, I have not seen any of the galaxy. Come on. Yeah. And I just, uh, just that little moment of wonder, it, it uh, you know, it don't, I don't even need it to tie into the general plot of this episode. It just was great to see her be like, cause she could do that every week, you know, oh, Mustafar it is like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, she's seeing the world and I love that. Yes. The tombs of the Sith. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the same, similar reaction, you know, when she's like sightseeing, what's that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Great mm-hmm. stuff. Um, there are a lot of great comedy moments for me. The uh, big, big winner, the big highlight. You you referenced it. Uh, this uh, made me literally laugh out loud at you know twelve thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. Is uh, cutting to that Aqualish driver. <laughs> There's that horrific violence going on outside on his uh, vehicle, and he's just obliviously rocking out to electronic dance music. And that was just such a well executed comedy beat that it fully committed to it where we went into his world and the music entirely changed and just like everything's great no yeah. it's not God, i love that yeah it's it's uh, it was really effective this this can uh, you know you'll, you'll see this pop up sometimes in other places and, and my, my my most favorite one of all time is gross point blank with the kid at the convenience store and the big shootout <laughs> q second <laughs> assassin and he's playing the big game so this reminded me of that in the most uh, uh special way uh and it again the detail again the detail in his eyes he's in it you feel it it worked it was a really funny moment it was really really good uh and he just he just looked happy or they i don't know uh yeah. but uh Great Aqualish driver rocking out. I want to be that Aqualish driver. Don't we all? All right. What are some other moments for you? Uh, uh, the specific exchange of Wrecker and Tech trying to buy off uh, uh, the uh, Sulliston uh, landing pad administrator there. But the the exchange of Wrecker going uh, when he just goes, great. Like he just totally unaware. It just worked for me. But I love Tech in that um, moment when he pulls out the credits, I think three credits, and is like, is that sufficient incentive? Which is in that tech way of just saying, I, you know, I understand it. Is 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 this in the incentive you need for your morals to be, you know, compromised? <laughs> like, what is it? And I just, again, and using the tech comedy so well. Yeah, it, it did have that vibe of, I have Googled paying people off. I know what this is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not the spirit of it. Um, yeah, in that exchange, uh, the moment I really liked is uh, after they do successfully pay him off, but it was Rocky, uh, Wrecker says, we're getting the hang of this civilian thing. And Tech just shakes his head, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a very small little visual beat, but it's hilarious. Yeah, love that. Love that. Um, another Tech moment for me very early on is just uh, delivery when they're asking him if he can change the codes of the ship. He's like, and mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got this weird emphasis of, yes, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah yeah, yeah. The, the continuing thread with uh with tech where he, he he almost feels like everybody should know what he knows uh but there's not a reason for them to know that 
it, it, you could make a, we, we maybe have made the reference more of like an IT guy, but it, it's, it's, he's way better than that. But um, it reminds me a lot of, uh, especially working in digital media at a company or something, when you go to like the production guys and the post-production guys and like, hey, could I get a graphic that goes, yes, I could do that. And it's just like, kind of like, <laughs> because you can't, I will do it. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll take care of it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last big comedy moment for me was that Echo line uh, that you're right, has great weight, but it really worked as a comedy line too of um, wanting to, uh, of Hunter wanting to sell him and Echo saying, fine. But not at that price. I am worth more than two thousand. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting it, and it worked really well. Kids know your value and uh, say it funny. Yeah, exactly. Other yeah. moments of a uh, comedy or whimsy or weirdness for you? Uh, two little beats for me. I liked when Fennec Shan told uh, Omega, "Tuck and roll when you land, kid." Ooh, um, yeah. One of the reasons I love it is similar to her limp later on when she kind of tucks and rolls after a big fall. And I mean, this isn't a criticism of past Star Wars. I, I, I don't need, like you said, I don't need Star Wars to be always super realism of, I got shin splints or something. No, like, but, you know, a lot of people fall, a lot of people hit things in Star Wars, and a lot of people are okay. And just to have it explained, like, just tuck and roll. Just tuck and roll. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 it's a great moment for Fennec Shand where it does kind of play with, like, obviously she is brutal and she will do anything to accomplish her mission. But that line has a little bit of, like, uh, strangely like trying to take care of it seems like well yeah no i need to get bring omega back to wherever i'm taking her in one piece but it's also like there's a little bit of parental like here's how you fall from high places kid mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> love the use of it so i love that and then the final one for me just an overall thing um is uh, lost in space droid clink which is uh i think we had a similar droid in in resistance yes if, uh, if we remember correctly but uh clink big star big star oh love yeah that star. happy spin yeah yeah just uh, great stuff. Spinning with Clank. That's the uh, mm-hmm. yoga video I want to do. <laughs> All right, then let's move on to uh, some connections to canon and lore and other stories. Uh, there's a few fun things to discuss, but I really want to take a moment to put the spotlight on Fennec Shand. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your, your overall reactions to seeing her? Were, we knew that she was coming. Uh, did Were you satisfied did you have expectations met what was the general reaction uh tremendously satisfied uh because number one this is clearly not a one shot right we're, we're gonna probably see her again a few times and and i love that i love that use of the character it's um kind of rare right to go in this modern era to go from live action to animation and this was the first big swing at it i think for me and and uh I just love the design that she felt Star Wars, like she, like she does a Mandalorian, but you know what I mean. Like it just it didn't stand out of place to me. I think if you don't know, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel weird to you. Oh uh, no, yeah, it feels really good. And 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 this is, um, you know, we get we get we get some time with her in Mandalorian, but she's not front and center really, uh, other than that first episode. But um, we get to learn a lot about her and just who she is, how she fights, all the things you and I have been talking about in this episode. And so she shows up as this fully realized character to me. And, and I think that's a big plus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I really ing- enjoyed getting to, to spend more uh, specific quality time with her in terms of uh, having a bounty hunter in this era. She just got like a great look and a great vibe and a great energy. And I thought that there was a lot that hinted at a lot of complexity like the tuck and roll and clearly manipulating uh, Omega. uh, But there was, you know, the way it was played so well, 
there was room to go, okay, well, what's her, what is Fennec Shan's history? How does she feel uh, about this kid? Is she recalling uh, times of her own when she was that young and that naive and thought <laughs> the galaxy was that easy that you just uh, meet somebody who's alone and, and offer, <laughs> offer your hand in friendship and it'll all work out just fine, you know? And the way she said, you know, the galaxy is a dangerous place to be on your own, you know, it, it had a lot of weight to it. So, like, I love uh, Cad Bane. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I love about Cad Bane is he's kind of got this vibe and sometimes dialogue that tells you, I am an open and shut case. Yeah. <laughs> I do things for me, for money, and uh, I will do whatever it takes. There, mm-hmm. you know everything about me, Cad Bane. Uh, right. I feel like that is his character, and I mean that is a compliment. And yeah. Fennec feels a little bit more like, okay, we there. there's lots of areas, gray areas to explore. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? Like, a Fennec Shan prequel novel is, you know, not a, out of the realm of possibilities <laughs> already, just because of what you're saying there. Just, the, again, the weight to some of the comments and the experiences that she's clearly uh, drawn from to say that stuff to Omega. Yeah, and I really wondered if she was going to uh, fulfill the function of, hey, bounty hunters are after... Uh, Omega, so here is a one shot, and it's cool to use this bounty hunter because you know we're going to spend more time with her in in Book of Boba Fett. Uh, it would appear. Um, so I was really excited at the end of like, oh no, this is a mission that she's not going to give up on, which means you know she could be you know appear in one more episode this season, or she could be the big bad <laughs> yeah, yeah. of the season, and you know she could be on them every episode. You know we don't we don't know yet, but knowing that this is her story too, I think that's what it was of her being like. I am going to find that child made it not just that she is the antagonist, but it, it suggested that this is her story as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. I I really, really could be up for more than just one more, more than one more appearance Uh, would work for me. Yeah. So since uh, there are connections between uh, Omega and Boba Fett, what with them, you know, both coming from Camino, both being uh, clones of uh, some kind, and Fennec Shand having this uh, connection to Boba Fett. Do you feel like there is going to be connective tissue here with Fennec Shand between the Bad Batch and Book of Boba Fett, or do you feel like the, the, those are just interesting connections, but they're not nothing uh, interesting uh, to be discovered there? I mean, look, I think it's a very, it's a very interesting possibility and connection. If, if Boba at all, like a, you know, a younger Boba is behind some of that, uh, I could, be for that. I, I would, I hope they're, I, I, this is very personal. I hope their connection comes a little bit later. I, I, I'd like to see her kind of working on her own um, and, and whoever she's connected with them. Part of me even thinks, you know, Lama Sue, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, uh, the properties escaped or something like that. So, um, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Doesn't it? It just, it's, uh, you know, in terms of connective tissue, that's one that's kind of already there. And can we explore where it began? Um, and how, you know, that connection after episode five of season one Mandalorian and the boots coming up and having a lot of a lot behind that, uh, or, or was that the first moment they met? And I, and, you know, I, I, I'd rather have a little bit more history so I can follow this thread. Yeah. And I need to look up the exact dialogue in the Mandalorian, but there was some turn of phrase, which I could be entirely incorrect about that made me feel like the meeting between Fennec Shand and, and Boba Fett was, was newer and the relationship was newer and yeah. completely based upon, I think it was the discussion of like, um, that he didn't just leave me in the sand. So I owe him, you know? Yeah. yeah um, in that, that was the bond, not like, Oh yeah, we've known each other since the beginning of the empire, you know? Yeah. 
Um, so I think there's the possibility of whatever is going on in Book of Boba Fett, it being a, uh, just a fun grace note or maybe having something to do with uh, with Boba Fett's wrestling with his identity of Fennec being like, I know clones, you know, yeah. uh, that, you know, it could be something that's just these adventures will be referenced, but it's not like yeah, mm-hmm. she is forever tied to Boba Fett. Um, what in what what is your instinct in terms of the the end and the plot of is is this a story where yeah of course it's it's Lama Su yes they they want Omega back um, or are you uh, thinking of this in a more of what I think of as a Blues Brothers way where the Bad Batch is going to have eight different people after them for eight different reasons by the end of season one I I I would rather have that especially any enemy enemies they make along the way. Um, and that uh, we already got Tarkin at Rampart. A lot of people not happy with him, probably. Uh, Crosshair being a, an important one here. We don't even really see him or hear him in this episode. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd like a cavalcade of, of enemies. Yeah. I feel like it absolutely could be, you know, uh, the Kemi Owens um, who have hired Fennec Shan. But the fact that there's mystery left and the fact that Hunter's like, we're going to figure out who it is. Uh you know, maybe maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just building up the the feeling of betrayal from Hunter and the Bad Batch that it is Lamasu. Um, yeah. So it could be that, or it could be for me. It just suggested this mystery of like, ooh, you know, we still don't know what Omega's purpose is, right? Uh, right. And is there somebody else who also knows? And and there's going to be many different people. Anybody who knows the secret of Omega wants to get their hands. You know. Yeah. Which again would would be interesting because it would create even more connective tissue between <laughs> uh, Mandalorian of you know mm, yeah we're raising this child that is has secret powers that everybody wants yeah look there's some there's some rhymes and rhythms there for sure but uh, it, it's still it's pretty effective right now but um, yeah yeah and and it's especially. I guess it's just a measure of like how many people knew about Omega. You, you know, the fandom did not know at all. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, not a lot of people know what goes on at Camino, anyways, but there were people there and there were Jedi and clones and troops and officers and techs and science, uh, science folks, science folks is what scientists are sometimes called. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It is a fun mystery. Uh, moving on then to other canon lore connections, I wanted to, of course, talk about Pantora. It was great to see Pantora, uh, which has, of course, uh, been featured in the Clone Wars, or rather Pantorans have been featured, and the nearby moon where the Talls live. How did you feel about seeing uh, Pantora proper? I really loved it. I loved the design a lot there. You talked about going to kind of that urban environment. Uh uh, it reminded me of po- points of a little bit of Galaxy's Edge with the marketplace, <laughs> without a doubt. You know, uh, for a second I thought, wait a minute, where did they go? Um, I was going to ask you about that. If it was, yeah. if you had that slight feeling of like, I've been to that toy shop or one oh, like it. Totally, there's a great bathroom right across from there. It's very easy, <laughs> easily accessible. Um, yes, no, absolutely, including down to the toys and the yeah, everything about it. Um, yeah, no, it was just a lot of fun. And yeah, you, that name pops up immediately like, you know, who's going to be there? We're going to have a cameo from Papanoida. What do we got here? Yeah, Rio Chuchi still the senator. What, what's mm-hmm. going on? Yeah, yeah. And I like that we can visit places and not see everybody that we know from that place every time. So, yeah, yeah. So that was good. But there was a part of me that was like, just come on, just give me a little Rio Chuchi hologram in the background. Come on. <laughs> a poster somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was really great to see it. Also, just great to see this picture of, you know, um, we know. Coruscant is, you know, the city planet, 
but it's great to see another urban environment that functions very similarly to yeah. uh, Coruscant. It's not the entire city, but that's kind of like this is what urban environments look like. And also, you know, sometimes in Star Wars, it could be like, hey, here is the planet where uh, the Pantorans live. And it's great to see that this Pantoran city is uh, has a ton of different uh, kind of people and species in it. And it's a true urban yeah. environment. Yeah, Rick Ollier would say the whole planet is almost a city. <laughs> Over there. That one part of it that's a city is a city. Uh, excellent. Yeah, it's great to see. Great to see. Um, some other things. I really loved Omega seeing real live Tuka Cats uh, since yeah. she's got the doll. That was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we had the Vorpax, uh, the name of the creature yeah. uh, that is uh, similar to well, the same species as Buggles Toradoza's pet from Star Wars Resistance <laughs> yeah. and yeah. being just as cute and uh, and trouble-causing. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely want to raise a Vorpak. Um, love seeing that connection and uh, just, uh, again, that Resistance, uh, two seasons, if you guys haven't watched it, there's some great stuff in there. And uh, I, I do feel it got a little overlooked at times um, and, and maybe some reasons for that, but I, I love that it's, it's clearly part of it. It's clearly part of... Uh, the animation offices. I love that they're pulling from it. Yeah, and like you said, uh, the droid in this episode of Clink is an LE series. Uh, same line as LE12 from Resistance. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's something about not just seeing like, okay, yeah, the animation studio, of course, is like, yes, uh, we uh, we made Vorpax. We like Vorpax. We're putting Vorpax in here. Uh, yeah. But I think for me, it's great to see also just... Um, the eras come together like this whole this whole yeah. era of of uh disney lucasfilm has been great of if something gets invented one place it really gets used other places you know everything from uh death troopers to war packs uh that make it feel like an in- entire connected galaxy but it was extra cool to see something from you know resistance uh that is set in a different part of the star wars timeline different yeah. animation style like you're saying, uh, I don't think as thoroughly viewed and discussed as some other parts of Star Wars and see like it really being a part of uh, Star Wars, uh, mm-hmm. all of Star Wars by being in this different location. Yeah, it, it, it gives it um, a higher, higher grade of merit. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we can uh, see the Elder Doza at some point. That would be great. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Omega could uh, try to make friends with him, too. <laughs> yeah. no, that'd, be, that'd be really good. Oh, man. Yeah, one of those you created an expectation to me that I must put on a shelf. <laughs> yes, uh, see him uh, growing out uh, that mustache, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then I, I like seeing the security cameras, like on the Death Star. Uh, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, that was it for me. Did you have any other uh, moments of canon or lore connection that popped out to you? The only big one uh, for me is uh, going back to Pantor and we talked about already, but just the march of the clone troopers and the, and, the, and the shouts and the screams and the happiness and a war ending. And you can see how it works to, from the Empire's point of view of, uh, you know, look what we've, we've done. Um, it, it really can. I thought of Padme going. So this is how Liberty dies. I just mm-hmm. I just thought of her in that moment and everything she was trying to fight for and, and then her, her her spirit will live on and others trying to fight for. So uh, that was a connection for me. No, and this was, uh, yeah, a great moment where you could do a uh, a great double feature of going back to Clone Wars. We recently watched that great episode with uh, Baron Papanoida and Senator Rio Chuchi, uh, where the Separatists are, you know, close to uh, convincing Pantora to uh, to get on their side in the war, right? Yeah. 
yeah. so you know Pantora has been through some rough times, so you can understand why those people would be cheering of like, yeah, the war's over, our our clone troopers did it, and now everything's going to be great, and right. not seeing the evidence in front of their faces because there's such relief uh, mm. from the horrors that they have been experiencing. It's really powerful. Well, the Empire has not revealed its true identity. Yes. Exactly. Ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great poll. Was there anything in this episode that you uh, disliked or questioned? Ah, man, no. No, again, every week I, I go, is this the week I go a pox on this moment and, and, and not there, uh, not there for this one. Not, one of the reasons it was just such a wonderfully short, compact, fun episode uh, that is a lot of action once it gets revved up. So I, I was in, in there in, in, in on and on board for all of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had uh, I did not uh, question or dislike anything from this compact uh, rock song of an episode, as you called it. <laughs> Do you have uh, hopes or expectations or or secret dreams uh, for the next episode? Um, I mean, we talked before about yeah, maybe they could catch a breath, settle in, and move to a bigger plot. But I, you know, it's not shaping up yet, and I think we'll get there eventually. But I wouldn't. Uh, I'd like a little bit more of the the onion to be peeled back. Um, I don't need answers yet, but starting, it's been, it's just fun. It's just fun. The end uh, with Fennec Shan was fun and, and we do love speculations um, over here. Um, so, you know, a little more uh, information tidbits dropped on the, on the path would be nice for me. Yeah. Yeah. This episode had such a strong uh, cliffhanger vibe. Um, it isn't the uh, aesthetic of these animated shows to do like old school cliffhangers of bump, bump, bump. It's a, you know, mm -hmm. a nice fade out, but, in terms of what was actually said by both our our heroes and the the current antagonists of Fennec Shand, uh, it had a real cliffhanger vibe to me of the of Hunter saying we have to find out who she is and who she's working for, and then Fennec saying I will get her. I kind of I, I felt the desire to you know be able to binge and hit next episode. Um, so yeah, there's yeah. a part of me that kind of feels like the next episode does pick up directly on that. Um, I do like to see the the characters uh proactive and yeah. you know they've got this one sort of dangling thread of like we know that hunter doesn't want to uh leave crosshair behind and wants mm -hmm. to figure that out we know they kind of need to just figure out uh all the basic necessities they got cash now so maybe next episode is just you know buying supplies or whatever yeah. um but that cliffhanger vibe was so strong to me there's a part of me that just feels like it would be great if Hunter was just like, or anybody from the Bad Batch was like, uh, we have a contact that might know, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of bounties are out there and we're going there because we need to know who she is right now. She's an immediate threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they've they've been out in the galaxy. That's the big appeal of Bad Batch is they're not the regs. They, yeah, they, they they got a Rolodex that maybe they don't have. So to, to mind that, that'd be, that's a good call. Yeah. My other hope uh, is that possibility of uh, of Rex soon. Um, I think partially because yeah. I think that's what I was thinking about. I, I like that this episode did have more echo, but I still think that uh, I'm hungering for a super echo spotlight. And what was occurring to me while I was watching this episode in all the great echo moments that were in it is that the Bad Batch uh, outside of Echo, they have a relationship with one another. They've met other people, clearly, like Cut Quain. But, mm -hmm. you know, Echo's got this big history with Rex, and, and that should be an emotional moment for Echo to have any interaction yeah. with Rex and know how what Rex's experience of Order 66 is and, and what he went through and what happened to Anakin, what happened to Ahsoka, what happened to Obi-Wan. You know, Echo would 
would care about those things. Um, yeah. So I think the, when Rex pop, pops up, that's a will be a great opportunity to explore Echo. Explore Echo with Rick. That's a great call. And, 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 you know, we, we're still, it's a, you know, crosshair. We're we're getting there. You know, the the fact that it wasn't here in this episode works for me. I don't need crosshair in every episode, but um, building that and seeing where we're going with that and, and the, the, you know, getting to the core of these uh, clones identities, uh, the bad batch now in this new world, that that could be uh, important. And Rex would be a key part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, I was going to make sure we talked about the kills of Fennec Shan here, but I, I, I figured we would get to that there. But uh, yeah, <laughs> she's brutal. Yeah. Uh, only other thing for me is I really enjoyed uh, some of the different uh, transitions in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there was that great moment really early on when Pen, uh, when Omega says Pantora it is, and then the image is all uh, sliding rectangles. And there's like one other yeah. transition like that that just had a slightly different vibe, which is really great because I think it just gives a, it gives it a lot of energy. Um, there's a lot of of comfort in this show that looks like uh clone wars and really feels like star wars and you know when when it's a, a shot of a ship in space above a glowing planet and it's landing it's like oh this is great it's comfy i'm at home this is star wars and then having something different like those transitions uh, is a great uh energy uh in a great uh bit of new with the comfortable mm. Mm, yeah star wars trans- yeah good call on the transitions of star wars we should write a Super a, a book or a, a supercut YouTube video about all the stars. <laughs> no, well done. It just these episodes are be- so beautifully directed. And I've talked about the little moments and little details with some of the the faces and everything, and and um, I, I've just been enjoying that more than just wow, beautiful. Just what they're able to pull off. These these almost seem. I was even thinking today. I was like, what? this could have been live action. You know, it, it, I'm glad it's animation, but you know, it, it's just so smooth. The details, everything about it. It's cinematic for sure. Yeah, the colors pop. So great. So great. Uh, yeah. All right. So we always like to wrap up with the most important discussion, toys. Uh, if mm-hmm. you could have a toy or an action figure of any character or moment from this episode, what do you want, Ken? I do want a real-life pack, not even a toy, just so we can engineer <laughs> those. That'd be great. Um, need that purple urine in my life. Yeah, we, uh, look, Clink is a great name. I call him Lost in Space Dromek, but I do <laughs> think we need a Clink Pop. He's a, he's a, he's a breakout star. A clink pop, <laughs> clink pop. Give me a clink pop, and 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 we just need a really good uh, anim- uh, three and three quarter Fennec Shan in the in the animation style. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I want that clone doll. It's uh similar the the actual toy that Omega yeah. wanted. <laughs> it's yeah. a similar to some of the stormtrooper uh, type toys they have at Galaxy's Edge, but I want the clone specifically. Yeah. Uh, and then there, there are two action figures that I really want, three and three-quarter, Ken. Uh, uh, the first is a Hunter in Weekend Dad outfit. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Hunter on the go, yes. Hunter on the go, which, yeah, I really liked it. Like, okay, I can't wear my armor. I've got to kind of blend in here, so I'll, I'll wear this. You're like, what? I'm just shopping. I'm just going to the farmer's market outfit uh, that he's got is really great. While also still having half a tattoo of a skull on his face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, not that I wanted to get rid of it, but uh, I, yeah, his his outfit was great. Uh, but the thing I really want, Ken, is I need a three and three quarter action figure of uh, Aqualish with a uh, rock out action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Echo as a droid's good, everything, but yeah, we need Aqualish truck driver rocking. That's right, just bouncing to the beats. That Aqualish. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, that is our big look at Cornered, episode four of The Bad Batch. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? 
love to. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Instagram and we rebroadcast uh, the podcast on YouTube. Uh, we are on uh, Facebook. If you want to go over there, Facebook, uh, you can find us at Force Center Podcast. You can get an Audible book uh, on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Uh, we are available in a lot of different spots, including Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, among other spots. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center you can find me at ken knapsack or go to my website kennapsock.com and for you joseph uh, they can go here yeah you can find me twitter instagram tiktok as at joseph scrimshaw same handle for all of those places and if you want to check out any of my other comedy adventures my other podcast obsessed uh, comedy albums all kind of stuff like that it's all on my website at josephscrimshaw.com but for now for myself for ken for fennec shand and for rocking out aqualish this has been the bad batch report Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.